back again for more music talk on the Planet LP podcast. This is episode 62. And in this episode, it's going to be about one of the most successful singer-songwriters of the 21st century. I'll admit, I'm not a super fan of this artist, but lucky for me and you, I have a super fan waiting in the wings to talk all things Taylor Swift. Yeah, Taylor Swift, an artist whose musical arc starts in the world of country music, then pop, then folk, and now it appears back to pop with the release of her current LP, Midnight's. We'll get to the Taylor talk in a bit, but if you're a social media type of person, connect with Planet LP on Facebook. Just search for Planet LP and give us a follow or a like. We're also on Instagram at the Planet LP. And if you've been following the news about Twitter, you know that that platform is undergoing a lot of changes with their new owner. Not sure what's going to happen to that place, but if things get weirder than they already are, Planet LP might unplug from that channel. I was looking at social media apps for music lovers and musicians, and there's one called Groupie that I'm checking out right now. If you have one that you're using that I ought to check out, let me know. Email me at ted at planetlp.com. If you've been a longtime listener to Planet LP, as always, a big thank you for listening And don't keep Planet LP a secret. Let folks know about this little podcast. We're on all the major podcasting platforms. And uh, I was looking over the Planet LP site stats. And wow, okay, pretty cool. We have a sizable audience in the country of Brazil. So... To you folks in Brazil, I say, abrigado, Brazil, abrigado. Okay, let's set course for Taylor Swift's world. Well, 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 I did say I have a Taylor Swift superfan as my guest. What I didn't say is that the superfan is my daughter, Maya. This is quite a little victory for me because Maya said she didn't want to be on the podcast at all. But for some reason had a change of heart. So hi, Maya, and welcome to the Planet LP Podcast. Good afternoon. This is Maya. How may I direct your call? (laughs) Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good day, and good night, because this can be played at any time. You may direct your call to your dad, (laughs) and we're going to talk about Taylor Swift, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. You feeling it? Yes. Okay. So... There's no denying the popularity of Taylor Swift, right? I'm not going to argue about that. There's no argument, really. She is everywhere and creates music at an impressive pace. So, very simple question. How did you start getting into her music? What year was it that you thought, I really like her music? And what was the song that got you hooked? Okay, I'll go back a little further than that and say when I first became aware of her was probably in middle school. Mm-hmm. What, years was it? what year was this? Um, maybe 2008, whenever the Hannah Montana movie came out. I don't, yeah, you got me on that one. <laughs> she was in the Hannah Montana movie and she had an original song, but I, I didn't really become a fan of hers. I was aware of her music. As you know, you played it on on, on radio. K- yeah, when I was on KKIQ and KKDV mm-hmm. radio. Love right? Story and You Belong With Me. But I only really knew those two hits. Did you like those songs? Yeah, they were all right. Um, my mom and I, 
had a little bit of a joke when it came to love story because we're both literature type people and we knew the plot of Romeo and Juliet. Mm -hmm. And of course, this is Taylor rewriting the song. Well, I guess reimagining the song, right? Yeah. In a way. This is Taylor reimagining the song from not only a personal perspective, but also reimagining the story. Mm -hmm. So Romeo and Juliet have a happy ending. It's Mm -hmm. not the tragic ending that's in the Shakespeare play. Yeah. My mom would sometimes sing, instead of, you know, Romeo, save me, I've been feeling so alone. Mm -hmm. You killed Paris, my cousin, (laughs) and Tybalt. Or Def- something like definitely that. Definitely a literary family if you mm-hmm. if you got that going. So okay, so do you remember the song on Hannah Montana? What was it? I don't. Yeah, I, I don't... think it was called Crazier, mm-hmm. and it was I believe written just for the Hannah Montana movie. Okay. But then once I got into high school, I wasn't really aware of her during the Speak Now era. But when Red came out, that is when I became a fan of her music and specifically I can I was looking this up earlier mm-hmm. no, which is good you're supposed uh-huh. to I would hope you're prepared yeah I was doing research on myself yeah via my Facebook page gotcha and I actually had made I, I fell into the trap that a lot of girls my age I think did the not like other girls phase the oh I don't like Taylor Swift because all she writes about is her boyfriends Mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And I heard earlier that year in 2012 that she was going to be writing a song for the Hunger Games soundtrack. Uh, And I was a big, big fan of the Hunger Games franchise. That I knew. Yes. And I made a post something uh, along the lines of, oh, this is a post-apocalyptic dystopia (laughs) Not Dear John, Um, which is funny. I didn't even know she had a song called Dear John at the time. I was just basing it on a rom-com with Amanda Seyfried that my mom and I had watched. But then later in the year when I think it was I Knew You Were Trouble came out, I made another Facebook post. (laughs) So Facebook is good for something. Yeah, Yeah. documenting my, my youth. Yeah. Your Taylor Swift obsession. Yeah. And other other things, of course. Mm -hmm. I made a post and I was saying I got ready for school this morning and I was rocking out to the new Taylor Swift song, What's Wrong With Me? (laughs) And I think Ma commented. She's like, what is wrong with you? Ma for you uh, folks that are listening. It's a grandma. Yeah, we call her Ma. His mom. My mom, yes. And if you're listening, hi, Ma. (laughs) So that's, that's the moment that you crossed from I really like these songs to Superfan? No, not super fan. That was from when I became more aware of her music, became a fan of her music. Yeah. And then throughout the Red era, I think I got more and more into her music. And then by the time 1989 came out, I think I would it would be safe to call myself a super fan by that point. Okay. All right. So that was the album where you mm-hmm. said, okay, this is it. This is, this is the artist. I have planted my flag. I am a Swifty. Mm-hmm. Well, fandom to me is a pretty fascinating thing because there are there are some rabid fans with any band or artist. The interesting thing about fans is that, and I include myself in this, in this category, that we develop deep connections to people or a person that we don't even know. They don't know us. We know them from their public persona, and it's that public persona 
that we kind of glom onto and say, yeah, I, I identify with this person. So I'm thinking, clicking back to, well, before I was born, but while I was a young boy, the Beatles were super popular. And the Beatles certainly had super fans. They still have super they fans. They have a great longevity. I, yes. <laughs> For how long that band was together and how many albums they put out. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. People are still discovering their music and becoming fans. Yeah, so as you're, you know, a younger generation comes in and says, oh, these are really good songs. And then whoever the older generation is, parents or cool uncles or cool aunts, will say, oh, yeah, if you like that album, check this one out. You know, Kiss is another band that had a pretty big super fan base. They had a whole army, the Kiss Army. And you were a part of that army. At 12 years old, I did join the KISS Army. I don't know if you get out. I, maybe it's like the Mafia. Once you're in the KISS Army, you never get out of the KISS Army. But Taylor Swift has her own legion of super fans, and they're called... Swifties. Swifties. So if I could look at certain bands, like, you know, I'm a huge Rush fan. I, I've taken you to, what, three Rush concerts? I think you've gone to three. I think it may be two. But yeah, maybe three. No, it's I don't three. Know. I know I, I went when I was maybe about 11. Mm -hmm. We saw the Snakes and Arrows tour twice. I oh, okay, okay. And, and then I know that we saw it with Mama. She was there. Yes. My mom. Yeah. And I know we saw R40. If I were to distill down the, the Rush fan, if you want to put a stereotype or a, a type, I would say it kind of crosses between these freaks and geeks. You know, it's the... If you go back to high school, like everything is a reference to high school, it's the stoners and it's the math club kids or the computer science people. They both get Rush. So if you were to like look at the Swifties. Also literature type people, maybe, I'd yeah, say, because yeah. of the lyrics. Well, that's true. Yeah, it's true, especially with the album Hemispheres, which is a lot about you know Greek mythology. But with Taylor Swift, the Swifties... Do they? I mean, can you kind of distill it down to a, a type? Like, oh yeah, Taylor Swift fans are X, Y, and Z. And and we were talking before we started recording. He said actually they were kind of subvariants of Swifties. So mm -hmm. give me give me a, a a sampling of that. Well, you were talking about the Rush fan base, and that's very male. Mm -hmm. You know, they always make jokes about the one female <laughs> Rush fan. It got better later mm -hmm. in their career. There was more women as the mm -hmm. as the band got towards the end of their career, yeah. I'd say a, the typical Swifty is definitely a female. Mm -hmm. um, but there are there are definitely men who are fans of Taylor Swift and they're very passionate about her. Um, but I'd say the typical Swifty is probably someone a few years younger than her who grew up with her music mm -hmm. and... Uh, discovered her at an early age and kind of feels like a sisterly blonde with her. Do you um, think... There are younger, definitely younger Swifties who are in their teens now who mm -hmm. think of her, well, I don't know if she would like this, but they think of her more as like a mom figure. <laughs> well, she's 32. Yeah, I so, guess she yeah, could have yeah. been their mom if she were like a very young teen mom. Right. Um, like Selena Gomez's mom. Yeah, like yeah. we were just watching her documentary yeah, last night. which was night, actually pretty which good. Which was very good. Yeah. Um, Sad, but good. Yeah. We don't like Raquel. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and I do tease you that, oh no, she's going to be your new bestie. She'll be knocking on the door, you know. Hi, man. <laughs> See, and they set off the dog and everything, right? 
Mulder. <laughs> That's our dog Mulder. Come here, buddy. He doesn't it like it when us. he doesn't like it when you know there's someone knocking on the door. But maybe we can get him to sit down. Sit it was just the table. Be a good boy. There you go. You're talking about the 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 kind of mm-hmm. fan, the Swifties, who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's one the typical Swiftie. Then there are sub variants who are more pop fans. Mm-hmm. I'd say uh, those tend. I, I wouldn't say necessarily those tend to be more casual fans, but they can be. Yeah. They just kind of like her music. Mm-hmm. They like her hits. There are the people like myself who are former literature majors or current literature majors <laughs> and really like her lyricism and really get into that and do deep dives and analyses. But she's um, also known for her Easter eggs that she puts into maybe even lyrics, mm-hmm. but her albums, her album releases. And there's always these mm-hmm. sort of deep messages that are supposedly encoded, which sounds a little bit like QAnon, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> some people have made that comparison. <laughs> Uh, Taylanon. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I just came up with that, but someone has probably come up with that phrase yeah, before. Right, right. Swiftanon, Swiftanon. Mm-hmm. Going off of her Easter eggs, there are those types of fans who have whole social media accounts just dedicated to decoding her Easter eggs. Uh, <laughs> these, I- interestingly enough, they don't seem to go super deep into her lyrics it mostly just pertains to like release dates of new music yeah, yeah. um not necessarily these easter eggs that she plants are just surface level kind of release dates but a lot of those big accounts tend to focus on when the next song is coming when the next single is coming we're right. getting karma at midnight we're getting <laughs> this kind of thing um but then of course like i said there are people who really get into her lyrics and analyze them through a literary lens, through a lens that is personal to Taylor's own life. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of her marketing has been, who are these songs about? And there are certain fans that will tell you off for reading too far into who the songs are about. They'll say, give her her privacy. And I think at some level, yeah, as a person, she needs her privacy but as a brand she's definitely marketed herself as writing the names of people in liner notes like sam and should have said no or diana agron and uh hyannis port oh uh, okay in, so then you gotta figure uh, everything out everything has changed so you gotta figure out who these people are right mm-hmm. yeah. those are some of the different types of fans they're the really kind of lyric obsessed fans who do deep dives of her work Mm -hmm. there are people who are more just pop fans and casual fans there are people who are kind of obsessed with i'd say they really fall into her marketing and they're obsessed with whatever she's going to release next sure and um those would be called completists yeah i'd say that i fall fall into that category a bit with you know who Mm -hmm. yeah do i need to name you know who no i know who you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and for folks who, who've listened to this podcast since the get-go, you know who I'm talking about. And you're just jumping in here. It's Rush. So mm-hmm. go ahead. Yeah. And then, like I said, they're the people who kind of feel like this sisterly or motherly bond with her. Mm-hmm. They've grown up with her. And those can be kind of sorted into any category of the aforementioned 
types I've kind of laid out. Well, it sounds like, like many artists, uh, with if you want to compare it to Taylor Swift with other artists, they get into them for a variety of reasons too. Mm-hmm. But often it's, you know, of course, it's going to be the music and the lyrics that are going to pull them in mm-hmm. at some level. It speaks to them on a, a way that probably doesn't to the casual listener. Somebody will say, oh yeah, those are some pretty good songs. Yeah, pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then you are lo- you want to take him by the collar and like, don't you hear it? <laughs> don't you understand what she's saying? It's <laughs> kind of the dynamic of my friend Vera and mm-hmm. I when we're listening to Taylor Swift. She knows I love Taylor Swift and so she listens to the songs with me. Mm-hmm. But um, she'll be like, oh, I love this song. It's such, such a sweet song that it's the most like devastating <laughs> uh, so song. She's, <laughs> she's not really listening to the lyrics, yeah. right? Yeah, she's just listening to the way that, that it makes her feel. Uh-huh. Yeah. She's just listening to the to the melody. Yeah, or the music. Or yeah. just something about it that, that's, that's bringing her in. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of Taylor's early country albums as compared to the more current phases like Folklore or Evermore or Midnight's? Well, I think, and she would say as well, it's kind of a natural progression because country music has a very deep lyrical history. Mm-hmm. She said this in the Long Pond studio sessions, actually, that country music has a very long history of kind of being like there was a woman and she did this and there was a man and he did this and then they had a kid and that kid is me yeah. type of storytelling that I think she picked up on in her earlier albums. I do like her country music. I think Speak Now is my favorite of her country albums, although that's more pop mm-hmm. and I wouldn't consider Red to really be country. <laughs> Listen to her very first one, which is just a self-titled yeah. album. Swifties call it debut. The debut. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I listened to debut. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was good. I mean, it just it reminded me of music from that era, country uh-huh. music from that era, which is very pop, but you know, it has a bit of a twang mm-hmm. underneath it. I, I do like those songs. I think if I had listened to them at the time, I would have felt more of a connection to them. But since I became a fan maybe a little later in her discography... I don't feel as deep of a connection to her earlier work. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I can appreciate it, but it's not, you know, my favorite. It reminds me a bit, actually, speaking of the Hannah Montana movie, her first <laughs> album reminds me a bit of Hannah Montana's music. And not in a bad way, but just in that, like, mid-2000s yeah, uh, tween-teen pop type of country-infused. Yeah, it's right in that pocket. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there's anything earth-shattering or really pushing the envelope of a certain genre, especially country music, that I hear in that first record. I think it's, you know, it's good. It's some, some good of songs. her lyrics are, are a little deeper, I'd say, mm-hmm. in those um, earlier songs, uh, like Cold Is You or The Outside. It's very teenage angst. Which she was how old when she re- released that record? 16. Okay, so mm-hmm. yeah, write what you know, huh? Mm-hmm. And if you're going through some teenage angst... Put it down on paper, because mm-hmm. that's money right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is going to pay the bills. All right. So um, I am still a fan for anyone listening who's canceling me, <laughs> because geez. I said I don't connect as much to Debut or Fearless. I do really still like both of those albums. I have favorite songs off of them. I really love Should Have Said No. I love a lot of her 
newer vault tracks of yeah. Fearless. Anyway, continue. Do you, do you really want to be friends with people who their first instinct is to cancel you because you have an opinion? Oh, I'm not talking to my friends. Just any listeners. <laughs> well, who that's may what have, I meant. That's what I who meant. Who may have seen Taylor Swift in the title, clicked yeah. on the podcast, and then are like, she doesn't like debut. She's not a real fan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do like debut. I have to caveat that. Anyway. There's nothing wrong with saying that, you know, you like some albums more than others. In Mm -hmm. fact, this next question deals directly with that. So Taylor has 10 studio albums. And Mm -hmm. out of those 10 studio albums, not the re-records, okay, these are the original releases. Okay. Rank them for me in terms of your personal favorites. I think I know it's at number one, but... Maybe I'm wrong, but listeners certainly won't. But let's start with number 10. I was thinking about this earlier because I had a feeling you were probably going to ask me mm-hmm. a question or some kind of variant of that question. And look, I and did. it um, changes all the time. I'd say right now my ranking is from number 1 to number 10. Wait, you're going number 1 to start? Yeah. Well, I thought we were going to go 10. Okay, we can go <laughs> well, 10. Maybe they'll cancel me again, but debut is number 10. <laughs> Maya has a deep fear of being canceled. Yeah, kind of like Taylor herself, yeah. if you've watched any of her documentaries <laughs> and listened to her reputation era type music. But I'd say Debut is number 10, Fearless, number 9. Mm-hmm. And to caveat this, I really love all these albums, mm-hmm. so it's hard to rank them. Yeah, yeah. Number 8, I'd say, is Lover, and I really do like Lover, but then I think would become Right Now. Reputation. Okay. Then Speak Now. Then 1989. Midnight's Folklore. Red. And Evermore number one. So Red At was... At the moment. Right. Red was my... That was my pick. I thought that that was going to be your, your top album. But you mm-hmm. said no. No. So these these will change. Yeah. Right? Just in and general. In the summer, I tend to like 1989 more. <laughs> in the winter, I tend to like Speak Now and Evermore more. In the autumn, I tend to like Red more. It just depends on the season, really, and on how I'm feeling. I think you can get that with any kind of artist who tends to progress in their musical styles mm-hmm. or style. Mm-hmm. I talked about the Beatles at the beginning. That's a band that was a very different band from the early 60s than when, the, when they broke up in 1970. Oh, definitely. Taylor from their Swift. Boy band type. Taylor Swift is a different artist than she was when she started. Her music is fundamentally different. Although there's some there's a there's a very similar strain of vocal style that tends to remain throughout. Yeah. So you know it's her. She's not trying to like pitch her voice down low or do something weird with it. Although she did do some electronic stuff on this current. Oh yeah. She did that on reputation as well. I'm not sure exactly what it's called, but I remember listening to an interview of her saying that she and Jack Antonoff were playing around with this feature Mm -hmm. where you can kind of program different notes of your voice Mm -hmm. on a keyboard and then actually play your voice. Right. That's fine. I, and I've told you this privately, and I will say it publicly. I've got some issues with Jack Antonoff in terms of as a, as a producer. Now, any producer, he's not, I'm not saying he's not a good producer because he is a very effective producer. Mm-hmm. However, like any person who's creative, they have a palette that tends to be limited, and he tends to use some of the same 
production techniques that he has used years prior. Like, I'm thinking about that album by St. Vincent that he produced. Mm -hmm. I hear those same production elements in the current Taylor Swift album, Midnight. Yeah. And I'm all like, oh, yeah, it's a Jack Antonoff production. No in, one, his, yeah. in his band, The Bleachers, mm -hmm. as well. And in Lord's albums and Lana Del Rey's albums. I mean, these are all very different artists, but sure. you can definitely hear, you can definitely tell that it was produced by Jack Antonoff. Yeah, as opposed to the folk albums, which were produced by... Aaron Dessner and Jack Antonoff, actually. He yeah, was yeah. part of that process. She calls them the folklorians, kind of, the... But trio of people who were very involved with yeah but you music can during you can definitely see or f hear the influence of mm -hmm. aaron more than jack on those two records mm -hmm. to me and i like the end product mm -hmm. yeah I, I i agree i like aaron Dessner more as a producer i mean i really do like jack antonoff and i love 1989 and mm -hmm. his work on 1989 but we were actually discussing this with midnights as well we tend to like, we like the 3 a.m., 7, 3 right. a.m. tracks that were produced by Aaron Dessner. Right, so let's... More than the tracks that were produced by Jack Antonoff. So for those who aren't huge Taylor Swift fans, there are, is it three or four different versions of this album, Midnight's, that has been released? Um, I think only two. There's the... Regular version, and then there's the 3 a.m. version. I thought Target had it. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, and then there's the Target exclusive, which has two remixes and um, an entirely new song, which isn't on streaming yet, actually. So this is to get you to buy multiple products? Or... Yeah, uh-huh, and physical yeah. physical music as well, which I think is interesting, is she's she's getting a lot of people to buy their first record players or... CD players. Um, CD players yeah. or cassette players. She sells cassettes. <laughs> a lot of artists are. It's, mm -hmm. um, it's one of those formats that... It, big question mark over my head because I'm thinking... Yeah, that it was Cassettes were nice because they were portable, mm -hmm. but they didn't have the best sound quality. You know? Yeah, I think people like the aesthetics of them yeah. more than anything. With records, I definitely think you can hear a difference in sound quality. There's mm -hmm. a richer feel. And CDs... Of course, they're easier when maybe your phone has died in the car and you you can't connect it. Like like our, one of our cars. Mm -hmm. We can't uh, connect to music because the car is so old that it was... <laughs> <laughs> well, did you buy a car in, what, 2005, 2006? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're stuck with that technology. Mm -hmm. um, is the 3 a.m. version only available on Apple, or is it in on other streaming platforms as well? I think it's on other streaming platforms as well. Okay. It was released at um, 3 a.m. Eastern mm -hmm. on the night that Midnight's was released, uh, or morning, night, whatever you want to call it. Um, or, luckily, because I'm on the West Coast, Midnight here, so I only had to really stay up till midnight too. So as a um, surprise, if I were just to stream it, the three a.m. version, would I get every song like the on the Target version? Obviously, I get the the ones that are on the original release, the thirteen mm -hmm. songs. Um, so everything is that is on the Target version is on the three a.m. version. No, oh, uh, the Target version doesn't include the three a.m. tracks and three a.m. Mm -hmm. tracks. 
uh, don't include Hits Different, which is the Target exclusive so single. You, so you do have to kind of... Yeah, and so far that song ones. on the Target exclusive is yeah. not on streaming. So is the 3 a.m. version... And I hope it is released soon because I really like the song. So is the 3 a.m. version <laughs> going to be released as a physical product? I am pretty sure you can buy it on her web store. Yeah. Most likely. Although, honestly, I'm not sure I'd have to check. Um, I don't collect, like, vinyls and CDs, all that kind of stuff. I, I do like streaming music a lot. Mm-hmm. It's more I, convenient. I rarely tend to sit down and listen to music in right. one space. Yeah, that that's a good question. I'll have to look on the store and there, see if you can fine. buy the 3M tracks on vinyl. I'm just curious if she's CD. that much of a savvy marketer. She can sell fans multiple versions of the same record. Oh, she and give, definitely yeah, can. Yeah, and give give you uh, more value, as it were, for completists. She definitely yeah. can. Yeah. Um, there are the four uh, vinyl editions mm-hmm. that make a clock on the back where right. you collect all four. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and you know who mm-hmm. else did something like that? Kiss. Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> but their solo records, if you bought all four, you had a poster. Mm. Yeah. So nice covers, crappy albums, but you know. Yeah. I thought you said one's part of the Kiss Army, you never leave. It's like Hotel California. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Mm. No. Uh, I just felt like the, the solo records that they released, it's subpar product. It, the, mm. the songwriting was really bad. Uh, for the most part, some of the production was was horrible, but the cover art was great. So if you're a big Kiss fan, then that that's worth it. Thankfully, that's not the case for Taylor Swift. Midnight's has been universally greeted as a as a very strong record, mm-hmm. and we're going to get to something that has happened for her that's kind of unique. But before we get to all of that, what about the live albums? You've seen Taylor Swift twice. Mm-hmm. live and you really enjoyed yourself both times mm-hmm. had a great time i haven't seen her and i'm live. planning to get tickets to the midnight's tour if i can <laughs> currently kind of a question in the air there's a lot of demand right now but you might have to take out a bank loan we'll see <laughs> <laughs> well in the, the past two shows i've seen i i went to the 1989 tour yeah. and i went to the reputation tour and at both concerts i didn't have the best seats i mean reputation i definitely had better seats than 1989 when Mm -hmm. i was in the nosebleeds right (laughs) because at the time i think i was like 18 and couldn't really afford tickets um i had a childcare job um well you have a better job now you're more gainfully yes i i am gainfully employed full time (laughs) so now i can hopefully afford i won't push my luck and say pit tickets but maybe Closer. And maybe closer yeah, to yeah, the stage yeah. this time. So you've seen her live. You really like her shows. Mm-hmm. Um, she has three live albums that she's released. I know mm-hmm. that she's had concert specials that have been mm-hmm. aired on, I think, HBO or something like that. And Disney Plus, And I Disney think. Plus. So uh, of the live albums, there's the Speak Now World Tour Live, mm-hmm. Live from Clear Channel, Stripped, 2008. And Folklore, the Long Pond Studio Sessions, that was the one on Disney Plus as a special. So out of those three, got a favorite? Long Pond Studio Sessions. Why is that? Um, I really liked just seeing the stripped down. That that brings me, why'd you say stripped like that earlier? It was funny. Stripped? Uh, stripped. 
Oh, maybe it's just a radio thing. Maybe it is. Well, I saw my old employer's name on there, Clear, uh-huh, Channel, Clear Channel, which later became iHeart. It but triggered yeah, you. It did. I guess so. Maybe, I, <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I lapsed into radio <laughs> mode. Live from Clear Channel, stripped 2008. It's Taylor Swift. Something like that. Um, but the Long Pond Studio Sessions, I well, first of all, I like the music most mm-hmm. out of all the live performances she's she's recorded although she did actually have the reputation tour available for streaming on netflix mm-hmm. and the but it was never released as, that was, was never released as a as an actual physical product i don't think so no. i don't think so and, and i'm just going off of tours. i'm going off wikipedia here that's oh, okay my, that's my touchstone i could be completely wrong yeah 1989 tour also had a tour video or movie whatever you want to call it that mm-hmm. was released as well but I liked the atmosphere there in the Long Pond cabin in the woods, like true 18th century <laughs> poets. And it was just Aaron, Jack, and Taylor kind of talking about the inspiration for their music. And I, I don't I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a little bit more intimate. It wasn't like the big production. Now, this upcoming tour mm-hmm. is going to be like, Almost like a retrospective. Like she's mm-hmm. going for uh, from beginning to the current. I mm-hmm. don't know how she's going to fit that in in under two hours, but we'll see. Some people because she has theories. two opening acts, right? Yeah, some people yeah. have theories that each show will focus on different albums, mm-hmm. but I honestly can't see her doing that because fans who only can afford one show, like myself, um, would probably want to hear. All of her albums. But I think she's doing this Eras tour because of... Um, and that's what it's called? Eras? Uh, yeah, the oh, Eras okay. tour. And it's because of all the re-recordings that she's been doing gotcha. have gotten the music back in the public eye. Fearless and Red, which are older albums over a decade old, were re-released. And I think there's a theory that she will release all the rest of her back catalog prior to going on tour next year. Wow. So we'll see. I, I, yeah, she's super busy. And she'll... <laughs> she, is she ever sleep? I don't know. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, that's midnights and yeah, uh, the yeah. 3 a.m. She's always up. <laughs> you know, before we, we get into the, the next segment, this record, Midnight's, mm-hmm. is this kind of a concept album? Yeah, she say? said it is a concept album. All the right. 13 tracks are a concept album and mm-hmm. then the 3 a.m. tracks are tracks that didn't fit into that concept for whatever that case so she finally went down the road of rush and yes and pink floyd she got a concept record out there (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's because she's working with jack antonoff and lord has been doing concept albums recently like melodrama and Solar Power were both definitely concept albums. Yeah, but they weren't that impressive, though. I didn't really like Solar I Power. love and Melodrama. Yeah, Solar Power, it didn't resonate as it, much with me. Exactly. Um, See, I have an opinion. I'm not canceled yet. No. <laughs> Solar Power, I think I'm not happy enough <laughs> to like that. I'm not in a healthy enough place in my life. Maybe if I move to a beach and become... Like an extremely happy person. I like Solar Power a little more, but continue on with Taylor. Yeah, yeah. definitely concept album. All right. In this segment, this mm-hmm. one's called Let's See How Much You Know About Taylor Off the Top of Your Head. I did not give Maya the questions. You mm-hmm. have to trust me on this. Did I? I tipped you off on maybe one. 
Yeah, just the one. Just the one, because it really wasn't a lightning round thing. So I'm no. going to see how fast you can like snap this off, like boom, boom, boom. So get in the zone, <laughs> okay. get in the auto zone, and uh, this is what we call a lightning okay. round. All right, you ready? Here we go. Question one: What is Taylor's middle name? Allison. What is her birthday? Uh, December 13th, 1989. Where was she born? Wyoming, or Redding, I think. Redding, Pennsylvania. She grew up in Wyoming. <laughs> what are her parents' names? Scott and Andrea. Uh, does she have any siblings? Yes. One younger brother named Austin. All right. Why did her parents name her Taylor? After James Taylor. Does she have a pseudonym? Oh, she has many. Yeah, Niles Schoberg. That's that's off the top of my head. Okay. Niles Schoberg. She wrote that one song with Calvin Harris under that pseudonym. Anyway. What artist inspired her to become a singer? Um, Dixie Chicks, Shania Twain, and Faith Hill. There you go. That was the one I was looking for. Mm. That was the one. I was... Okay, and this is the one I tipped you off on because you mm-hmm. had to think about it. I didn't think it was fair. So it's not really a lightning round question. This is the lightning round is now over. Mm-hmm. So you did very well. Thank Congratulations you. Congratulations on that. Uh, I was enjoying that. <laughs> I could have gone all day with yeah, this. You okay. Could have, actually. Shoot, man, I should have prepared more questions. All right, but here's the last one that's not really on the lightning round. Mm-hmm. What's the one thing that super fans know about Taylor Swift that others may not know? I don't know that this is the one thing. Well, a okay, thing. a thing. We'll just take up the definite article. We'll mm-hmm. just say a thing. I chose this fact because I thought you would like it. She really likes old fashions, like you do. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. She says it's kind of a man's drink, but she likes it. And of course, as everyone knows, she is the man. Ah, yes. Lover. Yeah. Album. Yep. Single. Interesting. Mm-hmm. She likes old fashions. That That is a very Midwestern drink. Is it? An old fashioned. Yeah. That's the only way I can describe it. And my best friend, Matt, who happens to be somebody that you work with. Mm-hmm. That's his favorite My drink. My favorite drink actually is a Manhattan, mm-hmm. but it's close. And I've had I've had an old fashioned before, mm-hmm. um, but I've noticed that if you're in the Midwest, people drink old fashions. That's their that's their cocktail of choice, I suppose. Also, yeah. Don Draper's favorite drink, right? Uh, anything brown. It, I think his was an old fashioned. It could, it could be. Yeah. It could be Scotch. It could be. <laughs> Irish whiskey, Canadian whiskey, <laughs> bourbon. Yeah. It didn't matter. I mean, he was an alcoholic, but what, I t- what he tended to go for the most, I think, what he ordered at bars was old-fashioned. Yeah. If I'm remembering. And we're, talking about, we're talking about Mad Men. Correct. So for those who don't, like, who's this Don Draper character and why is he drinking all the time? Well, that's who he was in the, in the show. 90% drunk at the, for the entire show, maybe. Yeah. Go yeah. watch Mad Men. Stream Mad Men. <laughs> How many times have we seen that? I th- I'd say we tend to watch it every two years. Okay. Since it ended. So probably about so, like five times. Jeez, has it been that many? Maybe. All right. We shall see. All right. So here's something that you shared with me since mm-hmm. her album Midnight's came out and made its debut. The record has been, it's no secret, has been extremely successful. Uh, you shared a snapshot of the Billboard Hot 100 chart that listed... Um, all 10 slots occupied by Taylor Swift and every song was off of Midnight's. Now, the Hot 100 is interesting because it's not just it's not just album sales, it's also streams. So they factor that in, like how many times is it streamed on Spotify or YouTube or you know, Apple, whatever. So from number 10 to number 1 on the snapshot that you shared with me, it starts with uh, number 10 is Vigilante Shit. 
I know. I can swear on the con. Can you? Yeah, I just did. Okay. Number nine is karma. Number eight is you're on your own, kid. Number seven is question. Dot, 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 question mark. Bejeweled comes in at number six. Number five, midnight rain. Number four, snow on the beach. Feet, Lana Del Rey. One Uh, of my other favorites. Yeah, feet. (laughs) Will that ever go away? Probably not. No. Maroon, number three. Lavender haze. And that was somewhat inspired by Mad Men. So we can bring it full circle. Yeah, because she did she, say, yeah. that's what she said. She, um, she was watching Mad Men. It's an episode where Don is kind of having flashbacks mm-hmm. to conversations he's had with Anna, his first wife. Right. He's telling Anna about Betty. Mm-hmm. And uh, she says, oh, you're in the lavender haze. Um. Which uh, I think Mad Men just came up with that phrase, honestly. She said it was a commonly used phrase in the 50s, but... I haven't been able to find any references to that online. I think Mad Men just kind of invented that right, for the episode. Right. Yeah. Evocative. Mm-hmm. You're in the lavender haze. I forgot to put the number one slot. It's Antihero. Mm-hmm. Which, that that was a lead single, so it doesn't surprise me that that's the most popular one. Mm-hmm. You know, she worried she wouldn't be relevant after she turned 30 years old, but that's not the case. So. Mm-hmm. Do you think she's going to be in it for the long haul? Like U2. U2's been at it for 46 years. Mm-hmm. Rush was at it for 41 years. Um, or do you think she's plotting her next career move? That's a bit of a question. She has uh, the song called The Lucky One on her Red album, where she talks about the subject of the song she's singing about is a celebrity who's taken her money and gotten out of this kind of celebrity world Mm -hmm. chose the rose garden over madison square it kind of seems like in the song she's well in the song she does say she understands that temptation so she may at some point just stop making music go completely private but i don't think that'll happen Hmm. i think she kind of needs to write music to process her feelings so i think she'll keep writing music Probably for the rest of her life. Whether she'll release it is another question. You think she'll be touring like in her 60s or 70s? I can see her still touring in her 60s and 70s or doing some kind of residency. Mm-hmm. I mean, she could be like those old blues guys. They they toured like John Lee Hooker or B.B. Think... King. They were like, they were in their 70s and they just come out of a little metal chair and play. And they figured, eh, it's going to play till I drop. Yeah. So <laughs> I think she'll continue to become more popular over time. So I can see her continuing to tour. You said her next career move. Yeah. She is trying to kind of get into the film yeah, maker sphere. Yeah. She had her directorial debut with All Too Well, the short film. And, Which um, means she's in the Directors Guild now. Yes. She's DGA. No longer just SAG yeah. after. Yeah, no, no longer just SAG after. She is, she's a Directors Guild of America person. Yeah, mm-hmm. good for her. So And she's been writing and directing her music videos as well. I think... Most likely, she'll also release a book at some time. I, I don't know what this stands for, but people keep calling it an EGOT. Mm-hmm. It's it's a number of awards that people strive to have won. So is that um, Emmy, Golden Globe, Oscar? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Tony? Uh, Tony, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think she probably wants to go for that. She wants to have her EGOT moment. Okay. So, well, uh, we shall see. We shall. Well... The latest album is Midnight's. The artist is Taylor Swift, who's been in the spotlight in this episode of Planet LP. And my daughter, Maya, 
The Taylor Superfan has been my guest. Thanks for overcoming your reticence and You're being welcome. on the, the Planet LP podcast. Don't cancel me. I'm not going to cancel you. Not you. <laughs> all you listeners out there, don't cancel me, please. Well, you've got her all anxious now about this cancellation <laughs> thing. For all, for, all, for all you haters, I hate you even more. Leave my daughter alone. I don't know where this voice is coming from, this Trump voice, and why. <laughs> all right. Hey, everyone, thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode where, as always, music is at the center of the conversation right here on Planet LP. So long for now. Bye.